I am grateful for the opportunity to be here today. One of the things that I like to do, and if you've heard me preach at least three times, you've probably heard me mention that I like to hike. I'm not a fast hiker. I saw recently that there was a documentary about someone who hiked a a long trail and they averaged 50 miles a day. I just want you to know I am incapable of that. And I don't want to do that. Um, I can't imagine what that would be like. The trail does something for me. Um, It is by removing the noise of the world, I'll use that general term, I'm able to go to the trail and I feel this closeness to God as I am in nature. I have a picture of a hike that I went on last Friday actually. It's in the Cates Cove area. I do a lot of hiking in the Smokies. This is actually, the trail is called Abrams Falls Trail. Anyone been on it? Yeah, it's a, it's a popular one. And I'll be honest, I don't hike many popular trails in the Smokies because why? There are too many people on those trails. I'm kind of a trail snob at times. <laughs> And I'll let you know that if you're ever interested, I know this is not the time and the place to go into a long explanation about finding trails that aren't as crowded in the Smokies, so I won't go there, except for just to let you know if you ever have any questions, ask me, and I'll share about trails I've been on. But I just love being on the trail, like that's it. One of the things about Abrams Falls Trail is it is a well-worn path. You can tell that many people travel it. My friend and I, who we hike every couple of months, we meet in the Smokies. She lives in Asheville. Obviously, I live in Knoxville. It's in between, and we meet. Well, I will tell you when is a great time to hike Abrams Falls Trail without crowds. A February Friday with rain predicted. Evidently, people don't want to hike much. And so when we got on the trail at 8 a.m. last Friday morning, there was a truck with a gentleman putting his gear on, and he hit the trail before we did. Otherwise, there wasn't another car in the parking lot except for ours and his. If you've ever been to Cades Cove and been to that trailhead, you know that is incredibly unusual. We enjoyed our hike. We got to this place. I honestly hadn't hiked that trail in like 17 years. So it was almost like hiking a new trail. And the trail goes up a little bit, comes down, goes up, and it, it parallels Abrams Creek, which is actually more like a river than a creek. And this picture is taken from the spot that you get on the trail. There's this rock formation that you can you don't, it's not like you're scaling it. You can walk up it. Well, it does take a little effort, I guess. And you stand up there and it's amazing because what happens is Abram's Creek is coming along. It has to go around a mountain and then it comes back and it, it makes this horseshoe formation. You see, when I stand in places like that on the trail, I am overwhelmed by our God's bigness. I am overwhelmed by God's consistency. I stand at places like that and I go, God, I know I got stuff going on in my life, but you're this big. 
You are this consistent. This is who my God is. This is who our God is. It fills me to be reminded of God's bigness. We arrived at the falls. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Abram's Falls, but usually there's a couple of hundred people-ish. We got there and it was us. It was us. It was like 9.15, 9.30 on that Friday morning. The rain had started to fall a little bit. I guess that's why not everybody was on the trail that day. And what we realized is that guy who had gotten on the trail ahead of us was there. 82-year-old man. Thomas is his name. We love the people that we get to meet on the trail, the stories we get to hear. Thomas hiked Mount Leconte at 80 years of age. He told us that one of his sayings that he and his friend use as they hike is, we go so we can go. We go so we can go. And I'm just filled. I'm filled by, the, by nature. I'm filled by the conversations that I get to have. I am filled by God's bigness. I am filled by what I see, what I hear, what I smell, what I taste, and what I touch. It fills me. It fills me. What fills you? What is it that fills you, that fills your spirit and your soul? What is it that fills us? As I drove back from the trail on Saturday, because it, it was a great 18 hours. I got to be on the trail in the Smokies on Friday morning. Friday afternoon, we went and marked the trail for Camp Wesley Woods hike that took place Saturday morning. I got to be on the trail Saturday morning just a great 18 hours. And then I drove back. And I realized as I drove back that some of the stuff that had been running through my mind, it hadn't been running through my mind in the mountains, but it started running through my mind again. Because what I've realized is the trail fills me, but it never satiates the need to be on the trail. It just makes me want to go more. Because there are these things in our lives that do fill us, that are glorious, and they're awesome. And yet still, they may leave us a little incomplete. What fills you? What feeds the hunger inside of you? It is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent, the season in which we prepare ourselves for the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For some people, Lent is just a, something on the church calendar. That's about the church calendar, but it is at its depths, a season in which we get to reflect. We get to go to God and understand the depths of our need for our Savior. This year, we are walking through the book of Luke. Luke is one of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. The four books that begin the New Testament that tell us about what it was like when God came to be with us through Jesus Christ 
And Jesus lived and he healed and he taught. He was uh, betrayed, arrested, tried, executed, and rose on the third day. And Luke takes us through that story. Many of us are familiar with parts of Luke's story. We just spent time in Luke at Advent around Christmas when the story found in Luke 2 is one of the familiar stories of Jesus' birth that we hear every year. And yet Luke 1 has a significant foundation to set for us. Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke 1, 51 through 53, and then I'm going to read some other verses in a few minutes in the sermon. I want you to know, we say this, if, you, if you're here often or every, if you're here once a month, you hear it say about our Bible reading plan. Our Bible reading plan is a way to engage scripture that follows with what we are doing in groups, what we are talking about on Sunday mornings. I encourage you, if you follow the Bible reading plan that actually started Wednesday, of, on Ash Wednesday, I want you to know you have time to catch up. For someone who went, well, that's too bad. That was Wednesday. It's already Sunday. You're good. You can do this. Start, read the book of Luke through Lent. It's at a pace that you can, you can grasp. You have, we have hard copies. They're available as you edit at the Information Center, you also can go to concordunata.org slash Bible. What Luke 1 is focused on is we have two stories that are going on that are connected. We are introduced to Zachariah and Elizabeth. They will become John the Baptist's parents. Gabriel, the angel, comes to Zechariah when he's serving in the temple and says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. And Zechariah goes, how is that possible? We are really old. How is this going to happen? Gabriel also comes to Mary to tell her that she is going to have a child. She is supposed to marry Joseph, but she's going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be Jesus. And these stories are paralleled in the first chapter of Luke. And both Mary and Zechariah praise God in a song. Mary, when she visits Elizabeth and John the Baptist, leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb. Mary praises God. Zechariah after John the Baptist is born and he prophesies about his son. We are gonna hear a couple of verses. First, we're gonna hear a couple of verses from what Mary says, Luke 1, verse 51 through 53. He who is God has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Hunger. Hunger. Hunger is seeking to be filled. It is seeking to fill. There are two types of hunger. There is physical hunger 
10% of folks who live in Knox County have food insecurity. That means they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Food insecurity, when you hear us use that language, that means that is someone who does not know where their next meal is coming from. Have you ever been hungry enough that you weren't sure where your next meal was coming from? Now, I have been hungry in my life. One time that comes to mind is I had a heart cath one time. It was scheduled for like 3.30 in the afternoon, so you know what that means. I didn't eat that day. And then, of course, it didn't happen at 3.30, did it? No. I don't know what time it happened. It was late. It felt really late. And then I was in the heart cath, and then I went to recovery. And then what did I get to do? I get to lay flat. Flat. Ask my husband about this experience. I have a memory he does too. Neither of them are great, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they wanted to know if I wanted food, and I was like, are you kidding me? And it was this turkey sandwich that probably on a normal day, I'd have been like, oh, I need something else to go with it. I could not wait to eat that turkey sandwich laying flat on my back. And yet the truth is, I... I knew where my next meal was coming. I knew once the procedure was over, I was gonna get to have food. Truth is, I've not been physically hungry in the sense that I never knew where my next meal was coming. We use the language hangry. How many people have said, I'm hangry? I mean, you hadn't eaten and bad things are about to come out of your mouth. But even being hangry, isn't really physical hunger like folks who don't know where their next meal is coming from. For many of us, the hunger that we have known is spiritual hunger, a spiritual need to be filled. For some of us, that spiritual hunger we attempt to fill with other things. And these things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. It's that we don't necessarily know when to stop. We seek to fill the hole that we have in our souls with achievements, with status, with money, with power, with relationships, with alcohol, with drugs, with food, with sex. All these things that were like, if I could just have that, that would be enough. That will fill me. Have you ever sought to fill the hole, the hunger inside of you by something other than God? My experience is it works for a while and then I need more. I need more approval by you. I need more achievements. I need more alcohol. I need more. So there is this spiritual hunger that we attempt to fill with things that were never meant to completely fill us. And yet, then there's this hunger for God. When we come to these places in our lives, when we realize that the only thing that can fill our hunger is God, is God. 
God alone. What am I reminded of is this perspective of less of us and more of Jesus. There are so many contradictions in our lives or in, in Jesus. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever thought about this. I don't know about you all, but I was raised to win. Where Was anybody raised to win? Nobody was raised to lose, I don't think. We were raised to win, but yet when we look at the words of Jesus, it's about surrender. It's about letting go of it being all about us. The first will be last and the last will be first. I don't see that publicized much outside of church. That I've got to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. Can I just not get the easy package? And yet what I find time and time again And I think you all have experienced it as well. When there is less of us, less about me, less about my ways, less about doing it my way, and it's more about Jesus, the hunger gets filled bit by bit. No longer are you letting me down. No longer am I not getting my way because my focus is more of Jesus and less of me. What about for you? Lent is filled with the opportunity to focus on spiritual practices. We can fill, filling through spiritual practices feels counterintuitive at times, and we focus on them during Lent, yet they are a part of a way of living through following Jesus 365 days a year, 24-7. Practices such as prayer. And why that could feel counterintuitive, because I don't know about you, but for me, when there is a problem, a challenge in my life, honestly, Usually, my first response is, how can I fix this? How can I make this better? It's focused on me. I don't think I am alone. Prayer reminds me, it connects me with a God who is bigger than anything I am capable of doing. Going to God in prayer, having conversation, and then listening listening, listening to God. Reading scripture is a spiritual practice that hopefully, or maybe for the first time, or we will renew our reading of scripture, of going to God's word. That is how we connect to who our God is. That's why reading Luke, we get to see, what does Jesus say? What does he say in circumstances? How does he act? And then what does that mean for you and me? Another spiritual practice that is counterintuitive, but definitely leads us to the concept of hunger is fasting. We are encouraging our community of faith this Lent to fast on Fridays. It's a Christian tradition to fast on Fridays because it represents the time in which Jesus was being crucified. 
You can do so three ways on Fridays. You can focus between nine and three, which is the traditional time that we believe that Jesus hung on the cross. You could do it from the time you wake up. You can fast until three o'clock. You could do it from sun up till sun down. What it means to fast is to abstain from food. And we understand there are medical situations, lifestyle situations that we need to be aware of. And you need to be aware of that yourself. We have a handout that you can grab as you leave that's focused on the practices of fasting, the history. Jesus fasted in the wilderness. Jesus instructed about fasting in Matthew 6, 16 through 18. I once had a spiritual mentor tell me that she had fasted for me. I'm like, what does that mean? You fasted for me. She said, I was in prayer for you. You see, prayer and fasting are connected. We just don't not eat. We use that time to focus on God. And I figured if someone could fast for me, the least I could do was fast for myself. So I asked her, what do I do? She referred me to Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And one of the things that it talks about is don't draw attention to yourself. That first time I fasted, I was serving as an assistant principal at Fulton High School that day, and it was an Ash Wednesday, and every person who walked in my office that day, I wanted to go, you will not believe what I'm doing. I am starving. I am, I am fasting today. And I was like, she, she told me to read that, and Jesus said not to draw attention, so I'm just going to sit here at my desk and act like this is a normal day. The other thing she suggested is that whenever I want to eat or whenever I feel hungry during that time, that I simply say, God, you are enough. God, you are enough. God is enough to fill any of our hunger. God is enough. I read Luke 1 at Advent And I read it again this past Monday in preparation for this and for our Lent Deeply Rooted study that we started on Wednesday. And one of the things I love about Scripture, it doesn't matter how many times I've read it, God just speaks something new each time or reminds me of something I've forgotten. And when I read Luke 1, it was Zachariah's words that just almost pierced my soul filled my soul. And so I'm going to read these verses. And one of the things I want you to think about as I read, I want you to think about what Zechariah says about what God is doing through John the Baptist and through Jesus. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness 
before him all our days, and you, my child, as John the Baptist, he's referring, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Did you hear it? Redeemed, salvation, mercy, rescue, shine on those in darkness. Jesus fills us. Jesus redeems us. Jesus rescues us from that which we hunger for. Jesus says, as noted in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come, believe, be filled by our God, by our Redeemer, by our Savior. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of your grace and love for each and every one of us. Lord, we confess that we try to fill the hole in our souls with lots of things. And honestly, they work for a while and then they don't. Lord, we want to hunger for you. We want to come to you. We don't want to be hungry anymore. We want to come to you. We want to believe in you. Our God who came to be with us through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.